Hey everyone, thanks for joining. Today I am speaking with Yasmin Mohammed. Yasmin is an activist and she's the founder of Free Hearts, Free Minds, and she's the author of the book Unveiled, How Western Liberals Empower Radical Islam. She's also, I'm happy to say, a good friend of mine. Hey Yasmin, thank you for coming back on. My absolute pleasure. Thanks so, for having me. Yeah, oh no, anytime. Um, so yeah, I wanted to have you on because, okay, with what's happened in Afghanistan, um, and I mean, I know you've put out your, your piece and then I did my little thing where I talked about when I was there. Um, but yeah, if we could talk a bit about that, start with that and then go from wherever it leads to. Yeah. So do you want to start with your piece? Like what you'd written about? Yeah. So, um, I had written about how the there's this, you know, the world is paying attention to what's happening to the women in Afghanistan, which is good. And I'm happy to see that. But of course, they're paying attention because it's an opportunity to bludgeon Biden, right? Because we can, we can point to Americans as the culprit here. So that's why it's easy to criticize. But when women are treated in a very similar manner, in 50 other Muslim majority countries under different Islamic governments, we don't talk about that. Nobody's horrified by it. And so what I was saying in my piece was that, um, you know, there's a, <laughs> there's a similarity between the Islamic Emirate of Afghanistan and the Islamic state of Iraq and Syria and the Islamic Republic of Iran and the, <laughs> the Islamic Republic of Pakistan. Like, are we, are we noticing a pattern ladies and gentlemen? So, um, but nobody wants to address the big, huge, massive elephant in the room. They just want to talk about the Taliban. And in fact, you've got your typical noble savage BS going on with like expecting the Taliban to be, honest in their negotiations or believing their, oh God, Uh yeah, (laughs) inclusive and believing their promises on how they're going to treat their citizens. And it's, it's ridiculous to me and ridiculous to you and ridiculous to anyone who can see very clearly that these are a group of jihadis. These are, this is a terrorist organization. So in the, in the same way that you would never negotiate with ISIS and expect them to abide by their, Oh, I, we promise to be good. Um, expecting this, that from the Taliban is, is a complete joke. And I, I think that your story that you, you told about that man that used to stock your fridges with water when you were in Afghanistan with the Canadian military. Like it's just so heartbreaking and that's happening. I mean, every that's happening over and over and over and over again. Right now, the U S has left their, not just their names, but the biometrics and all sorts of Right. Like the, all of the people that ever helped the Americans for the past 20 years are now in danger, not just the Americans, but same thing with the, the British embassy didn't have time to clean out their um, their intelligence before they turned heel and ran out of the country as, as quickly as they could. And so many lives are in danger right now. The women are in danger. Yes, they are. But now all of these men are in danger, too. You can't hide. 
like that that old man like i said all he, all he did was fill fridges with water and you know even after trump announced that okay whatever this is going to happen like there were people you know who were like look i was a groundskeeper on one of the bases so there's a guy who got a job feed his family he's like well i'm scared for my life because they know that if you worked on the base that you were in danger so yeah i mean there's a lot of that but it's <sighs> Okay, like I saw something today about how, I mean, they were comparing to the Taliban with ISIS and they're like, well, the Taliban's a more reasonable choice. And yeah. it's like, what are you talking about? I mean, like now, now this is a reversal, right? Because I mean, ISIS grew out of Al-Qaeda in Iraq and now it's like, then ISIS came back into Afghanistan. Now it's American. I mean, it's, yeah. you shouldn't laugh, but it's like, that's what, that's what happened. But it's all the same. It's all the same shit, different pile, right? We all know that. Give it different names, call it Al Qaeda, call it Boko Haram, call, call it whatever you want. It's all the same. They're all jihadis and they all have the same exact aims. With this happening in, in Afghanistan, and then you've got, okay, the U.S. looks extremely weak and incompetent right now. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm not saying there were gains made in Iran, but there were a lot of women pushing back. And I mean, I, look, I know they were getting arrested. Like, you know, we've spoken to a couple of them. And, but whatever small ways that they could protest, do you think Iran is now going to take this as like further evidence that oh, we can do whatever we want? Because, I mean biden like you know totally went back on that deal with them the nuclear deal and all that like is that like the and i don't want to sound like you know like the the the, you know the red scare in the 60s or whatever but like the domino effect of this Mm -hmm. like now you've got the taliban in power i mean they're not going to turn away most jihadis they might turn away some shia but i mean they're they are friendly with iran that like that's that which is weird but like like what do you see as like a domino effect going down through the middle east with that yeah, well, that's definitely a fear, and I actually don't think the domino effect is only going to be in the Middle East. I think the domino effect is going to be global. Um, I'm hoping that in this upcoming 20th anniversary of 9-11 that people are going to be remembering a tragedy that happened 20 years ago. They're not going to be talking about a tragedy that just happened currently. I really do think that emboldening them like that the morale boost that they have right now it is reminiscent of the way they were after 9-11 when they were celebrating they were feeling like look this is proof that Allah is behind us we're we are victorious we are making the the west um you know succumb to us pander to us we are we are the victors all that stuff is is back and it's not just in iran you hear i mean you see people tweeting this kind of garbage from the uk from the us from canada people who are uh you know like the uk sharia council or um people who are running five pillars exactly from five pillars and you know these are journalists these are politicians these are leaders in the community these aren't just random you know youtubers or nobodies just saying this so it is it is definitely concerning that 
they do see this as, as a morale boosting victory. And they've already, you know, China came out calling the Taliban, their brothers and saying, we're going to, it's the same Chinese people that kill (laughs) Muslim people in their country. But, but, you know, it's just. With China, it's that's okay. That that's the whole you know the Belt and Road Initiative. So they're gonna come down, put in roads, whatever. I mean, Afghanistan is just mines and minerals. It's all it is. It's rocks. Mm-hmm. They want the lithium, like you know, they want the heavy metals so they can, uh, sorry, like the rare earth metals so they can make chips and stuff like that. They they need they need that stuff. And they agree on the anti-West, anti-American sentiment. Oh yeah, so the, mm-hmm. uh, it's, it's convenient, but. Okay, so in 2000, I can't remember when the last, that was the year of the pig. I think it was 2019. <laughs> there was a story in, I can't remember, a story came out of China and they were interviewing people in like around where they were keeping the Uyghurs. And they, there were flyers being put out and they said, oh, oh, don't have pictures up for the year of the pig because it'll offend Muslims because it's their heavenly ancestor. And it was oh. just like, oh. <laughs> So, like right next to where they, I mean, but that, like that was so weird about it because, the, like, the people themselves didn't know anything that was going on about the Uyghurs, right? Like, it was it wasn't being broadcast in China, but at the same time, the, like they're ignorant of that, but they're saying that like the pig is the heavenly ancestor of the Muslims, and it's like so, like there's that comical aspect, but there's also that really sinister part where like you you know like it's right next door, and you don't mm-hmm. know what's going on, and it's so. Yeah, well, the, the Taliban is getting cozy with China. Like that doesn't surprise me at all. But then, you know, neither is Pakistan. You know, Pakistan's cozy with them. But that's scary, though. It's yeah. co- it's scary yeah. that they're cozy with China. It's scary that they're cozy with Pakistan, and yeah. it's scary that they're cozy with Iran. I mean, yeah. I don't know. Obviously, nobody knows. But people have been saying that all of those, you know, billions of dollars of military equipment, U.S. military equipment that were left behind, are probably all going to end up in the hands of Pakistan. I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah, but okay. Again, I I left there in 2013. So anyone who wasn't there, anyone who was not on the ground, like they're relying on second and third hand information. Like I, you so, and okay, I set up communications. I had access. I'm not saying I looked at it. I'm not saying I. But you also hear things quite a bit. And I was I was around a lot of information. I was around a lot of brass. Um, so, you know, what I heard on ground and when I would come back and I'd see a news story about something that happened while I was there or whatever, or while I'm there, I'm watching the news and I'm like, okay, I see the differences. So, um, but from some of the things I'm hearing, and it, it, this makes a lot of sense, like, okay, so take the Afghan National Army. I'm not, there wasn't enough training and they should have held up better, but it was U.S. contractors, let's say the ones who were working with the U.S., but for the most part, it was U.S. contractors that were running the software, maintaining the aircraft, like all the, all the, like the stuff behind the scenes they were doing, it wasn't even us military. So when the military pulled out, like contractors were just, okay, you're gone. So mm-hmm. at Bagram air base, you know, the, the ANA showed up and there, there's no one there. Like contractors are gone. Everything gone is gone. So, and from what I've, again, like from what I understand, the software was taken away. It was so. They had nothing. Th- well, they've got the planes and they've got the electronics. I mean, they, mm-hmm. they, might, they might not, have, I don't know if they'd be able to take out everything from the plane, but 
if they got rid of the if they got rid of the control software at least on the ground, I think that would help. But then I mean, you still have some of the software in the plane. If they couldn't get get all that out, like so again, I don't know, and I don't think anyone really does except inside the military. Um, exactly what they've got. Uh, so, but I, what I mean by they've got nothing is they did not have the personnel they didn't have nobody was trained before oh, these people no, left yeah no, nothing they and, didn't have the intelligence to continue yeah okay yeah the ana could not have maintained those aircraft and I, mm. like even some of the heavy like you know the personal transports yeah sure but i don't think i'm trying i don't even know what heavy equipment they had like if they had you know even tanks or anything with cannons on them or whatever but um yeah so i mean like there there's that but they got drones and again they mm-hmm. can send that drone to china or russia or iran or pakistan and they can take it apart and get to know a little bit about how those things work i mean it's like a- any one of those countries having one of you know any of that stuff is bad mm-hmm. but you know they don't have like if they don't have all the command and control software and things like that like you know it makes it less bad but still yeah it's mm-hmm. it's crazy mm-hmm. but that's one of the things okay like I want to get back to the women um, because okay, you had, I mean, some of the things I'm going to say, I thought were a little silly, uh, but I mean, the advancements that women made, so you had a generation of women that didn't have Taliban control and were free to do what they wanted. And okay. Like some of the things that I'm going to say are silly. And I, and I don't mean, I'm not disparaging the thing itself. I just think it was, poorly timed um in 2006 they had a theater company and if i remember correctly it was an all women's theater company great have it fine but then they put on shakespeare i'm like well shouldn't you put on something local maybe or whatever um and i'm not disparaging the arts i know like art and all that is important but it was 2006 so this was really only a few years after i mean kabul was still getting attacked up until 2005 like you know fairly consistently so it wasn't like things were completely calm it's like okay there are a lot more important things in putting up a theater company like you know like but i like it is just that i was like okay i'm just like maybe the timing's wrong but like they did stuff like some of that stuff was a little silly but everything that i saw like you know professional courses so how to start a business it's like you know just just basically learning everything that they couldn't learn under whatever, like for 20 years. Um, and then like all that was great, but one thing they didn't do is cause I'd see it. Yeah, the majority of the students in school were boys. So don't get me wrong there, but still it's not enough of the population is getting educated, but the majority of the chunk that is getting educated were boys. Um, but like all the little kids, like there'd be a market that come, comes by every week to the, all the bases and they would travel around. All the fathers and uncles, whatever, bring their, would bring the little kids with them and the little kids would be working in these markets and it was like all the time. They weren't ensuring that kids were going to school like enough as it is. So everything they did to empower women, what they didn't do was, especially out in the countryside, because everything that I saw was concentrated like the the efforts were concentrated in the cities obviously because that's where the protection was they couldn't go out to the countryside as much but that's where you really need it so you 
and it sounds really bad to say, but like boys didn't learn why it was important that women have their rights. Like it was given to them at the point of a gun. I mean, like it's apparent now. It was given to them at the point of a gun. And you know, there are men in, in Kabul who are protesting. Okay, and that's a good thing. But that, again, that's like the result of efforts being only done in one one area when the majority of the population was out in the rural rural segments of the country. So it's like such a complete wasted opportunity. I hear what you're saying. And I, I agree with you. I think that, you know, this would, you're going to need a lot more than 20 years to make those kinds of changes. Um, so if we look at, say, for example, there's, you know, that, um, that Twitter page called before Sharia ruined everything. And then it shows pictures of the way women in Iran used to dress, you know, women in Libya and Kuwait and Egypt and all over the Arab world, how they used to be free and going to university and wearing whatever they want and doing whatever they want, going to music concerts, blah, 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 all the stuff that is now forbidden and haram and whatnot. And the truth of the matter is there in the sixties and seventies that existed, but those were very small privileged elite groups of people the vast majority were still, you know, with a, with a mindset that is, that is, you know, hundreds of years ago, but the tragedy that we're talking about here with Afghanistan is in 20 years, there's no way that we were going to be able to, to change an entire, to pull an entire society, you know, a century forward, but there were a lot of bright lights in there. And those bright lights have been snuffed out. That's the tragedy here. So like we're talking about the girls robotics team and, um, you know, I saw a female, the first female politician, she was a mayor. I think I can't remember actually what she was, um, has now had to run to go to Germany. So those are the, the kinds of women, the kinds of men as well, who would have been changing hearts and minds and being the, you know, the Nelson Mandela, the, the, the Martin Luther King, the, the glorious Steinems, you know what I mean? Those yeah. people have now been forced to flee. And now what is the hope that the country is going to get pulled forward? It's going to progress in any way. Oh, you know, okay, like, it's completely lost. Like, I shouldn't say completely lost because, I mean, you'd have to go back in again. But, I mean, the one thing about the kids, though, and the generation, this, the demographic hasn't changed since pretty much when the Russians left. About half the population of the country is under 15. Like, right now, it's 46%. So, yeah, it... Uh, again, yes, I agree with you that it's hard to get stuff out there, but they didn't leave the cities. If they like when they started drawing down, instead of closing those bases, if they'd sent those soldiers further out, because they already had bases like like called forward operating bases that were further out. If they reinforced those bases and had more people there, then you could have had more services. You could have had more things come in. And mm. it, it, but they just stayed in the cities and. You know, that, that's what I'm saying. Like, 
because if you have a population that young, you know, get them while they're young, mm-hmm. it's, you could have, and again, I'm not saying these are, they're, they're going to be like, you know, like Savers. completely, you know, like they're not going to be completely like, okay, we're all 100%, you know, full enlightenment or whatever, but you might've like, cause when the Taliban came back, it came out of the countryside. You know, mm-hmm. and it was coming in from oh, Pakistan okay. as well, and all that. Like, I mean, if, if there had been some concerted effort, even in the last five years, or you know, there would have been less of acceptance of Taliban, I think, in the outlying areas than there would have been now. I mean, I'm not, I'm not, we're probably taking 10 to like kind of balance it out, but it was just they had no basis for anything, they had no basis for. Why is this being done? They like anything I've read on education. It's they were getting people who had just finished high school in Kabul to go teach in the countrysides. Yeah. So it's you know nothing against those kids, but they're kids, and they you know, how are they supposed to teach? It's like yeah, I I I just see that as a huge huge failure of time and effort because what you lost with all the advancements for women. Like to reclaim that now is going to take another huge effort mm-hmm. and they have to push back. And all the people who trusted you, they're not going to trust you now. Never. So like, yeah. where are you going to go? Like it's, it's, it's hard. It's, it's, this is beautiful for the Taliban because they promised that freedom, democracy, education, like they, this is what they were selling and they're like, stick with us. And, you know, life will be fruitful <laughs> trust us and we will you know help you progress and now they fucked everybody over oh, yeah. so all those people that are left are angry resentful hurt um and it's going to play so easily into being anti-western I, i'm more worried about okay for, i'm not discounting Okay, okay, yeah, but I'm also, I, but it's like I don't, you know, the anti-Western thing is there, but okay, you have a pocket of ISIS there, you have a pocket of resistance, um, up near the north somewhere, if I remember correctly from the map, map I saw. Even under the Taliban rule, Afghanistan was a divided country. I mean, it's it's tribal, right? So Tal- mm-hmm. the Taliban are mostly Pashtun, and that's mm-hmm. about forty percent of the population. You know the next biggest I think is are the, the the Tajiks, and you know so like there's going to be fighting. It's going to break out. It's going to and there's just going to be more death. Um, but yeah, it's crazy. No, and sorry, like I want to jump back to something you said before, like about the, those pictures, because mm-hmm. I was going to mention that, like. Even now, under NATO, all those communities out in the countryside, women were still living like you know where the where the borcha, where mm-hmm. you know you can't leave the house, you can't do whatever. So mm-hmm. that's Things what I mean. Like to change in these yeah. twenty years for them. You know, again, I think more should have been done, and I'm just, I don't know what's going to happen now, but I'm just like, like I said, I'm afraid about all the countries that were getting advancements, no matter how small, but you know. Boko Haram's in Africa. Um, you know, ISIS went down to sub-Saharan Africa. Are they going to start coming back up? You know, North Africa is sitting, sitting right there. I mean, there's all kinds of stuff in Libya. It just because, hey, who's going to stop them, right? 
It's so depressing. It's, it's like, I don't want to think about it. It's too demoralizing. And I think that I agree with what everything that you were saying about them not doing enough, but it wasn't even just that they didn't do enough is that they were doing the wrong things. And so I don't agree with military intervention. I don't, I, I had no problem when they were saying we need to leave Afghanistan. We've been there for 20 years. We need to bring our men and women home. Absolutely. There's not, a, that's not a problem. The problem is how you did it. The problem was, you know, not getting people out safely first, but then taking your troops out first. The problem was yeah. shutting down the, the air base and letting the Taliban have control over it. So that people, so that when you sent Americans back again to pick up people, the Taliban already had control. Like it was just, a, it was a, it was a major clusterfuck. Yeah. Um, that's okay, the but, problem. But here's the thing, like, yeah, okay. You have to bring the troops back, whatever. But the problem with, with all of that was when the troops were there, they, sh they were doing things they shouldn't have been doing. They should have been more concentrating on security and stuff like that. And the rest of it, like the nation building, providing services, getting all that out there. Yes, there were contractors out there, but a lot of them were just like Halliburton. Okay, we're going to run everything for the military. Then we're going to go, go get these contracts. But it was them doing the work. It should have been, okay, you know what? We're going to do the work. Teach a man to fish. But it's it's not just teach a man to fish. It's, it's at the same point. It's let let private companies do it. We will provide this stuff, whatever funding comes from the U S government. I don't care. It comes from NATO. They'll do the work. They'll train the Afghanis. They'll, they'll let the Afghanis run it with a bit of supervision. Then finally they'll just leave and provide support. So, I mean, if you do that, okay, like they needed roads. So if we send a construction company down, make the roads, train local people, get them to do it here. Now you've got a trained workforce. You know, we need to build buildings. Same thing. It's, it's, Mm, the that's Qatar, UAE, Saudi Arabia. They all use that. But it would uh, strategy. Yeah, but all, and all you're doing is you're doing that, and as you're putting that infrastructure in, come. You know, it's a lot easier for NGOs to go down there. It's a lot easier mm. for you know aid groups to go down there, and it's a lot easier to get. If you've got the infrastructure, you can get the education to people. You can get you know services to people. You can get all kinds of things. It's and people see a tangible improvement. So, yeah, yeah, you know. Bring, bring the soldiers back. But again, how, how are you going to do it? But even if they did everything properly and they got out all the people that helped them, you still have millions of people left in that country at the mercy yeah. of the Taliban. And Correct. it's not going to be any better for those people whatsoever. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's yeah. You're doing it in a more graceful way. And then we can, it wouldn't have gotten all this media. You're still leaving them in the end. Yeah. 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 No, you're wouldn't right. have gotten this media coverage and you know, the women there who were there, they would have still been screwed. And it's like, okay, I'm, again, I was never a soldier or a civilian. I'm not trying to do like any kind of stolen valor or anything like that, but I feel a little like betrayed. I mean, I spent six and a half years there and, you know, whatever. Yeah. I was setting up communication systems for NATO, but I like, I, all my spare time, like when I'm like, depending on contracts where I was working, whatever was going on, like I built desks for schools and stuff like that. And it's just like, so all that was for nothing, like absolutely nothing. Um, yeah. And it was like, 
the last contract I was on the last two years, every Friday they would list, they'd call it fallen heroes. And they would list the names of all the, all the mill, like anyone who was NATO, Afghan, um, or contractor. And they died, they would list their names. And it's, I mean, it's like, you know, the amount of, I'll call them funerals. Cause that's what they were like ramp ceremonies when they load the bodies on the planes. I'm like, like for me, it's like, okay, you guys were there and you did nothing like absolutely nothing and graceful pull out or not and saving all your people like you're you've left the whole country to rot now and it's you're going to need military to go back in and clean it up like there's no way you know like you said you cannot negotiate with these people they're not going to be inclusive they're not going to be you know they're not going to respect diversity like <laughs> I'm going to okay. tell you what my, my conspiracy theory is. <laughs> this is my conspiracy theory. This is what I, I had the thought that nobody is this stupid. Like they had to know America, especially us military. They had to know that this was going to happen because even me, and I know nothing about, I'm not a politician, don't do anything about foreign policy. I'm not, I'm not even an American. I'm not involved. And even I could see that this was going to end badly. Two plus two is four. If you're going to walk away, let the Taliban have control. They're going to ally with your enemies and they're going to get stronger and they're going to come for you. And maybe this was... And something that they want to happen so that they have the excuse to finally go in there and drop bombs. So sort of, sort of the way 9-11 was a good excuse for Bush to go into Iraq and get Saddam Hussein out. I guess, but I mean. Because now they're going to yeah. hit Iran. China, uh, Pakistan, all of their enemies, Hamas uh, is involved in there. You know, yeah. they're all there. It's a big soup of shitheads. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I want to kind of jump back to something you said a little earlier and kind of relate it to your book. Mm-hmm. All right. So I mean, three stories from 2015 and they're all two are like based on the Westerns and one is based on something like something that happened to an Afghani. Um, the, it was the woman um, Fakunda Musafzai. Okay, so she had uh, accused a, an imam of selling charms with Quran verses, and then he accused her of burning the Quran, and she got, you know, basically torn to bits. Um, but what had happened was the next day the women went, and that same imam was about to pray over her body, and they stopped him. Mm. Women stopped him. Then a crowd gathered, and they went with the women, and the women buried her themselves, and a group of men protected them mm. now i'm like okay they happened in afghanistan like well that's what i'm saying this was 2015 so the men in kabul these were you know these would have been boys in like 2003 they were given some sort of education they were given some sort of this is why it, now the other side of it which ties into your book a u.s army captain saw an afghan military commander raping a little boy like the butcha buzzy Oh God, they, I don't want to okay. hear the rest of the story. Okay. I can, I can, I've okay. already heard this so many fucking times. Uh, and yeah. the captain got reprimanded. Yeah. Right? It's our, it's their culture. Turn, a, uh, turn uh, around. Uh, okay. Don't look at it. Uh, yeah. 
And in 2015, at the same time, the University of Kabul started offering a master's programs in gender and feminist studies. Mm. So the army's doing cultural relativism. Mm. They're teaching, like this is coming from the West, right? So the West is bringing in, you know, when they should be bringing in John Milton and you know yes. David Hume, they're bringing in Judith Butler and Bell Hooks. And the military is bringing cultural relativism. And the young men in Kabul are defending women while the women are actually breaking how many edicts by burying their friend. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. and it's, I mean, it's, it's mind-boggling. Mm-hmm. And we got, okay, you mentioned uh, China called the, the, the Taliban our brothers. Like, Monsef yesterday, one of our yep. members of parliament, so the exact same thing. Yep. Women and protection of, protection of women and genders some uh, yeah. diversity or something like that. Uh, like that's her role too. Uh, <laughs> and she's going to call these men who treat women like that, her brothers. Yeah. I, like that's again, what the hell were you thinking? Okay. Mm-hmm. Whatever. Uh, you know, educators, <laughs> educators, I don't even want to call them educators, but academics from the States come in and put that in. Okay. That's, that's the university. But what the hell is the military doing with cultural relativism? I mean, there was a general recently said, oh, we're hoping the Taliban will be inclusive. And it was a general saying this. And I was like, oh, my God. Like, like Jesus oh Christ. God. Like, so I want to, I want to like, I want to bitch about this for a bit. So I'll let you start yeah. like, like the, the, yeah. the, the wokeness of it all. You know, I do see that a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot in my work where the people in the Arab world, people in the Muslim majority world, honestly, like they're the enlightened ones now. They really are. They're the ones that are moving forward with what I would call, you know, true feminism, like first wave, second wave feminism. And they scoff at us over here in the West and our so-called feminists who are really just supporting the patriarchy and ignoring them. Mm-hmm. And it's the same thing with the LGBT activists over in the Muslim world as well. They're the ones that I respect and I have a lot of, I mean, I'm just in awe at their bravery, but it's, it's like, if you go back to the, you know, to the eighties and how the, gay activists were back then. Do you know what I mean? Like it it, it was a different energy. It wasn't about, it was, we're here, you know, like this is, we're proud of who we are and fuck you if you don't like us. Now it's like, why don't you like me? Validate me. Do you know what I mean? Like it's now it's, it's, it's the exact opposite. Whereas you know, our Gen X kind of generation, we didn't want the affirmation from the man, you know, like our, um, our boy, George, or what's that British guy's name? The one that married a man, David Bowie, David Bowie and all them. Like they weren't looking to give themselves a, uh, a t- like a, they didn't want to be labeled. They didn't want people to use a specific, pronoun like they didn't fucking care i don't care who you are or what you have to say about me this is who i am mm-hmm. and that's the way they are in the middle east now they have that energy of where it's, it's it feels 
it feels powerful versus over here, the activists are so worried about um, politics and offensiveness and, and making sure that from what I can see are window dressing useless things. Um, because I don't think that putting a rainbow on a cereal packet is helpful to any gay person or ever has been. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. this, this is, they're putting their energy in what I think are really stupid things. It's, it's, it's just um, virtue signaling. But, and yeah. Okay. But there is one aspect of it that. So um, Izzy the up, like, I think you follow mm-hmm. her on Twitter. Okay. Mm-hmm. I, I'd spoken to her and we we're talking about this. So one aspect of this stuff that is actually harming the Middle East. And I've seen a couple of interviews with another woman in India and how it, it harms this, the women in India. It's especially the post-colonial stuff because I mean, mm-hmm. because of, you know, that has a lot of, cachet in the middle east like they won't yeah you know, okay you know, no, I, i'm really glad that like north africa the, the you know the the amazir are pushing back and they're getting some of their rights back like their language is recognized like in uh, morocco and algeria i believe i'm not sure about tunisia and so like it's so they're getting they're they're pushing back on that but like they, it's easy for the imams to now take that garbage and and use it as oh it's anti-imperialist they can use that language it's an easy tool no, and it's that, true. Yeah. And it, it sells it to the morons out here mm-hmm. because, you know, like you said, oh, I hate the West, blah, 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 blah. You're taking away their culture. You're doing, you know, whatever, like the, the god awful paper called a virtuous cut about FGM, mm. um, you know, like, like crap like that. So it actually causes harm out there. Yes. Um, and I mean, like in India, this woman was talking about how the whole, the whole gender study stuff where women didn't even have the rights in India that they are afforded in the West, which in India is a little bit more liberal than a Muslim country. Like, you know, mm-hmm. but you know, there's still, I mean, there's plenty of rate, like there's, there's horrific stuff that goes on like this, but women didn't even have their safety. And now they have latched onto like, they've latched onto hijras and saying, Oh, hijras are, you know, transgender, but some of them were, uh, some of them were turned into eunuchs as little kids and just left the temple steps. And that's how they became hijras like it's not something that's looked upon well in the society and it's like mm. so, so these people glom onto it and like they're ridding they're importing stuff that's or exporting stuff to those countries that's going to take away the rights from women mm-hmm. and it's like like whatever i say about it here like that's one of my bigger complaints about it like you're dumping this on people who don't even have freedoms that you enjoy and you're gonna like immiserate them even more yeah um i don't think that they see it that way (laughs) they think that they are it's like that it's like that uh, meme with ralph from the simpsons where he's like i'm helping (laughs) (laughs) they're missionaries they're taking their new religion and they're bringing it to the great unwashed Mm-hmm. Right, it's we have to go protect those savages from the evil West. I mean, that's it's exactly what it is. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't know if like all that anti-West sentiment used to be much stronger than it is today. It's today. It's kind of it's it's mellowed out. So with this newer generation, 
they're not quite as anti-West as their parents were. And I think that they are fighting for their individual liberties and they are recognizing that there are many obstacles to that. Yeah. Though the young people I'll agree with you there, the young people want their, you know, freedoms and they want their individual, like the, the ones I've spoken to out there and, um, you know, I look at the stuff Faisal's doing with like uh, IPB and, you know, like you see the stuff, like, like they're all young kids doing this stuff. Like, you know, mm-hmm. um, but it, yeah, so it's a generational thing. So again, it's, you know, wait for the older generation to kick off. And- yeah. Because that's what worked for, that's what worked in the seventies and eighties was there mm-hmm. is a huge anti-American anti-West sentiment. That's what, caused all the problems in Lebanon and Syria and Iraq. And, and that's what got my mom even to, because Sayyid Qutb was an, an Egyptian, because it was there too. This was the whole Islamist, you know, Muslim Brotherhood, Hezbo Tahrir propaganda was the West have it wrong. The West are evil. Turn to Islam. Islam is the answer. But now this generation of kids are seeing no, <laughs> it's not the answer because we can, they're not being diluted. So I guess you can look at how in Iran, the 40 years ago, the people were diluted into thinking the Islamic regime would be the better solution to the, um, the problems that they had at the time. But now, of course, they realize, whoops, that was a mistake. It was just like a different flavor of shit. Um, and I think that's happening throughout the, the Muslim majority world. Yeah, like I said, I'm, I'm happy about the young and like the thing with Iran though, I think it's a, you know, you don't have to go back to the Shah. Like, like you know, it's not, it shouldn't be one or the other, mm-hmm. Like, but at the same point, I, I think like, this is what it would have been important for Afghanistan as well is you don't enforce this. Okay. You have to have this type of government. Right? Mm-hmm give them the framework, give them the tools and, you know, these are the rights you should protect. This is what you should do. You know, here are the different options. And like, I think that would be better. So in a place like Iran, I don't think there should, there's going to be some sort of intervention. Again, leave it to the people themselves to figure out what they want as a system. Like they might want some constitutional monarchy. I don't know, but it shouldn't, like the interference should be as far as we'll help you push off the, the mullahs or whatever, like anything like that. Right. Like, but beyond that, it shouldn't be, we're going to impose like, you know, like installing no, cards. I totally you know? agree. Yeah. No, I, I obviously, yeah, completely with you on that. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, agree. don't impose your own, what you think is, yeah. Just allow help people to get the freedom to decide what they want for themselves. Yeah. I mean, I saw it over and over and over again. Um, now granted, I'm going to be biased here because I worked with the military, but like the aid agencies were just awful. Mm-hmm. I mean, they would go in and say, okay, you need this. Instead of asking, what do you need? It's like, you need this and you have to get this. And I mean, I saw it with, so when I worked in Haiti, uh, we were setting up, temporary offices for different ministries. One of them was the ministry of health. My client was CETA. So I reported to them. I did what they told me. 
I didn't report to the Ministry of Health in Haiti. Mm-hmm. So Sita says, this is what you're going to give them. Oh. I get there. It's not what they need. Then I have to go back and negotiate and say, look, we need to do this, this, and this. And it's it was, and someone else could have come in and just said, sorry, this is what you're getting, walked away. And I was like, okay, well, they don't, they don't need this. They need something else. And they like, I'm like, here's a bridge that'll make what they want. And so someone else could have just said, sorry, no, nope, this is what we were told to do. This is what you're getting. Mm-hmm. And but I, I keep seeing that with a lot of aid agencies. Like, it's just like, I know you do work with like, you know, you're working, you have the non free hearts, free minds, but like, have you run across stuff like this with aid agencies or like that? Like, I mean, it's, I mean, it must well, be maddening. The- the only aid agencies we work with, so one of them is called uh, Rainbow Railway, and so it's like, like, or sorry, Rainbow Railroad, which is a nod to the Underground Railroad, um, and they help people leave not just Muslim-majority countries, but predominantly Muslim-majority countries where they can be persecuted or executed. Um, and I'm in conversation with some atheist organizations to, that also help people to get out. But I understand what you're saying, but we'll give people, it's, it's, it's a patronizing attitude. And also it's just, I think a lot of aid agencies don't really care about the people that they're aiding. They just care about their agency. So it's like a lot of activists. They don't really care about helping the people that they are purporting to try and help. They are just looking to um, to elevate themselves. So if you're looking at all of these, you know, Ibram Kendi X or uh, who was that? D'Angelo woman and, and stuff like that. Like they they don't actually care about solving the problem. They probably will not like it if the problem is solved (laughs) because perpetuating this um, gives them a source of income. So I don't want to paint with a broad brush, but I will say that probably a lot of agencies are like that too. I mean, there is the human rights group that's led by Ken Roth that famously took a huge chunk of money from a Saudi real estate mogul with the promise that he would never use that money to aid gay people in the Middle East. So you call yourself a human rights group, but you really just cared about getting the money and you promised not to help humans (laughs) with that money. So yeah, don't get me wrong. I, I, okay, yeah, not all, obviously. Like, you know, mm-hmm. but the, like, but some of the things I saw and heard. I mean, okay, this is a rumor. I cannot corroborate this or whatever. But so, like, there's a few companies that do like those micro loans. So you know, loan a woman five hundred bucks, so she can get a sewing machine, this and that, and she can start up a little sewing business, and she can make money. You know, things like that someone comes in and says, I need $500 for whatever. The person giving out the loan says, okay, but you're going to ask for a thousand. And the person asks for a thousand, they get the thousand. 
but the loan officer pockets 500 and gives the mm-hmm. person 500 and the proper person has to pay back a thousand. Mm-hmm. You know, there, there was a lot of stuff like that, but there was, I mean, I, again, I saw it with some aid agencies and stuff, especially when I was in Haiti where it's like, well, we're going to build this. And I'm like, okay, you're building. So a lot of thing. one of the things that was needed was homes. And it's like, I'm like, you're building North American style homes in Haiti. They don't need that. It's like, they, it's really hot and muggy most of the year. You need like open, cool spaces. Well, okay. I mean, like, you know, Egypt's drier, but still, I mean, you mean like, you know, like, well, you've been like uh, in the Emirates and it's hot and it's humid and it's there. So it's, yeah, like you don't have like these little closed houses like you have here. Mm-hmm. You know, like, it's, and it's just like, oh, we're just going to give you this. And it's like, no. Like, so it's not being respectful of the, that's mm-hmm. why I was, I feel that's really patronizing. Like, wouldn't there be, sort of project managers of those groups that go in and have conversations and say, what is it that you need? What can we do for you? Does that, is that missing? No, but that's missing, but that's what I mean. Like getting back to the, you know, places like Afghanistan or Iran or anything like that. Like Mm. when these, you know, quote unquote experts go in there and they're going to help them nation build. They're like, okay, you're going to have this. You need, we're going to bring them democracy. We're going to bring them freedom. It's like, okay. You know what democracy would then mean it's it's the voice of the people let the people decide what they want and mm, but they don't want them to decide the wrong thing they want them yeah. to choose well, yeah. what they want them to choose yeah. well yeah go, go back to iran like Mossad. Mm. <laughs> you know yeah <laughs> you know you can talk about the shawl you want but it goes back kind of to Mossad. <laughs> like if that hadn't happened like, <laughs> yeah. yeah so yeah um, like that Turkey too, another example, but yeah. Oh God. I mean, okay. Look, I should go back to free hearts, free minds. Cause <laughs> you know, we've been talking for a bit, but I mean, I, I'm sad to say it, but I mean, you guys could have a lot more, you know, clients. It's, I don't, you know, like, I don't even want to call it clients, but like, you're going to have a lot more people that need help now. It's just, you know, it's sad to say. Yeah. We already do have, a lot of people contacting us from Afghanistan, but um, it's not, they're not looking for psychosocial support. They're looking, yeah. you know, it's, it's a lot more dire than that right now. And it's what is demoralizing. That's why it's so frustrating for me because I feel, I feel so helpless and so hopeless because people write to me thinking that I have like a magic wand. I wish I had a magic wand, um, but it, it's it's a really it's just a really dire situation that's happening there. And I guess all I can really say is that I am in a weird way, grateful that at least we're talking about it. Like at least the world is aware of it. Cause I get horror stories from Somalia, from Egypt, from Saudi Arabia, from Sudan, from, you know, all over the world. Um, but people aren't noticing those people. So at least with the spotlight on Afghanistan, I feel like there is, 
as hopeless as it feels, I feel like there is some hope because um, the light is shining on Biden right now and he has to do something, you know, he has to try and save face somehow. And I don't know, I don't know how things, I don't really, I'm usually very optimistic. It's my coping mechanism. It's what's helped me survive this long, but I'm having a lot of trouble staying optimistic about this situation. There's nothing to be done about Afghanistan right now, unless you want to send troops back. And I'm, I mean, anyone who says otherwise, they're lying to you. Like I, I, there is no way you're going to get anything done without troops. And I mean, it's, it's horrible. And I'm like, like, like you mentioned, like the robotics team, they got out. Mm-hmm. There was, um, again, there was like that film, like the women's Philharmonic. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, I don't know if they got it, but it, it's, there was one woman who was running a school and she's like 20 years ago, the Taliban came in and destroyed all the girls, um, education cards and records and she's like so they didn't want the kids to have school and she's like today i'm in my school doing the same thing because i don't want them to see the records of the kids and find out where the kids are i mean like that's horrific and it's it's that that's going to be like you can't get that back without you know like you can't talk your way out of that you need troops to go back in and you know, well, he has the excuse that. after this bombing, yeah, the suicide bombing. He's like, "I'll hunt you down." So, I mean, I don't know what that means. I don't know what his yeah, plan is, but yeah, whatever. But I mean, it's like, okay, he, he wants he wants to go back in. But what what stomach? Because again, people see it. It was a twenty year failure. Like, yeah, mm-hmm. I, you know, like I fully agree that it was failure. But you need troops in there, and mm-hmm. are people gonna have the stomach for you know? And sure, but like you didn't do anything in the last twenty years, so you're probably going to need at least another twenty years there getting things set up. Mm-hmm, it's mm-hmm. it's not just gaining trust again, and yeah. I know. I, I like it's horrific out there. Yeah, but, and something weird too that I noticed that I just commented to my husband. I didn't tweet about this because I didn't want to start mm-hmm. a shitstorm, but I was. When I first got on Twitter and I was constantly reading about, you know, all of these American um, military that were killed in a suicide bombing, it wasn't until I started looking up articles that I realized there were uh, like close to 100 Afghans that were also killed. Like that it's almost like all of the condolences all over Twitter are only mentioning the fact that Americans were killed. And that kind of... I mean, that really pissed me off because <laughs> I was like, why, why is that not being like, just say it in the same breath. Like, why do you have to, like, there was a video of Gary Sinise where he pulls down his flag at half mast and he's got tears in his eyes and he's talking about his, you know, his, uh, his, his brothers and sisters that have fallen. And I was like, just, just add and civilians. You know, yeah. like it, it seems to be like Afghan lives are cheap now, or maybe they have been for a long time. Yeah, I mean, okay, yes, they should. Like someone, you know, you're, you're, 
again, I, I didn't see the video or whatever, and I'm not trying to give him any kind of excuses, but I think he was a Marine. So if he was talking about his mm-hmm. Marine, he was. Marines that died, if he was kind of trying to salute Marines, I get it. But yeah, okay, yes, civilians and everything was killed. But again, take back, like, like I said, on my last contract. So it was a NATO base, and, you know, every Friday they'd get, they'd, like, everyone would stand his attention and they would, you know, like I said, list off the names. And it was military, like all militaries and contractors. But there were, I mean, and this could be from anything, right? This could be from gunfire. This could be from, but if it was explosions and stuff, no, they wouldn't list off the civilian names. But again, like that was a military base and they were doing a thing. But also, if you're going to list off all those names, if you're going to list off every single civilian name. No, I I understand in that context, that would be totally different. Because like you said, it was a ceremony for military. But I just, I'm just talking about how when I got on Twitter mm. and I hadn't read any articles yet, I had just seen all of the posts. Mm. I mean, take a look after we hang up, just scroll yeah. through and you'll notice that it's not even mentioned. You know, it's to the point that um, this one guy was saying, do we even call it terrorism if they're fighting the you know, military people that are invading their country or whatever the fuck, which is a disgusting thing to say. But like that person, was he not aware that a hundred civilians died? Like, you know, but yeah, I mean, that's just it though. It's, they're not going to mention like in an article, they'll talk about the civilian deaths, but they'll list the military members' names. Mm -hmm. Like you in an article, but they'll, cause again, like a hundred civilians, I mean, that's, that's the whole article that if you list all their names, I no, I don't want you it. to list their names. I want you to at least mention. Yeah. But yeah, no, I mean, I get what you're saying like these, but at the same point, it's, I think we're, we've gotten to a, we're at a place where whether you, you know, if you didn't vote for Biden, whatever, this is a way you can dig at him. Okay. So you pulled out. Okay. Before that attack at the airport, just recently, in the previous 18 months, not one American had been killed. Mm-hmm. You know, and Biden pulls out in the way he did, and then whatever there was that, mm-hmm. I think it was like four. Or, I, I don't know. I can't remember the number. So I, this was a this was a way to like throw it in his face. Yeah, I see. So yeah. you know, like military members died, and so yeah, I mean, like okay, it's always their game, isn't it? Yeah, it's so always it, their, anything that happens in the world has to come uh, from like this teeny tiny little left right American perspective. That's always uh, the. Bring it back. How do we center ourselves? Oh, okay. How do we okay, make wait. this about our politics? Yeah. yeah. But there was that story that Douglas Murray told in his book near the madness of crowds or no, that's the, the strange death of Europe, but the American contingent that was going around the middle East apologizing for the crusades. You've been a country then. <laughs> yeah, it didn't exist. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, no, they're, they're ridiculous. Look, I don't want to keep you too, too much longer. So um, I'll let you have some last words about the plight of women. Please let people know where they can donate to Free Hearts, Free Minds or how they can get a hold of you. And then, uh, yeah, thank you very much. Thank you. Yeah, definitely. Please go to freeheartsfreeminds.com, click on testimonials and read some of the stories of uh, people that we've supported and, and how we've helped to change their lives. We are switching to a group session support because we have such a long waiting list and it's so difficult for us to be able to help people one-on-one. 
we do still have uh, relationships with private therapists for people that do require one-on-one, but um, we're able to help more people in less time now that we're doing group sessions. So if you are so inclined, please click on the donate button, either um, become a patron or a one-time donation with PayPal would be really, really helpful. We could really, really use the support. Right. Well, great. Well, thank you very much again, Yasmin, for coming on. It's awesome talking to you. My pleasure. And thanks everyone for listening.